0: Take your copy of God's word, if you will, this morning and turn to the book of Esther, Esther chapter nine, probably good news for you today. And when you see the title, take time to celebrate, you're probably going to celebrate because you realize this is the last message in a sermon series on the book of Esther. Some of you are probably happy. You're you're like, okay, now we can move on to to something else. Look at something else because we've heard this story over and over. And yet, what a wonderful, significant, gospel-centered story this is for us. As we look at it, as we hear God's word, I mean, as we have studied through the last few weeks, I pray that God has blessed you. He has blessed me. Every time I go to God's word and I begin studying and working through it, he just really challenges me. And he has challenged me through this story of Esther. But how should we punctuate it? How should we punctuate the story How do we come to the end of God's activity of God's work? God's name is never mentioned in the book, but we have we have already noted time and time again how God's fingerprints is all over. They are all over this book and this story. So how do we punctuate it? Well, I think we punctuate it the way they punctuated it. That is with celebration, and I want to talk to you about taking time to celebrate. This morning celebrate God's activity Esther chapter 9 We're going to focus on verses 18 through 22 I'll make reference to a few other verses around that but I want you to look at verses 18 through 22 in particular verse 18 Says but the jews who were at shushan assembled together on the 13th day As well as on the 14th and on the 15th of the month they rested And made it a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, the Jews of the villages who dwelt in the unwalled town celebrated the fourteenth day of the month of Adar with gladness and feasting as a holiday. And for sending presents to one another. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters to all the Jews near and far who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. To establish among them that they should celebrate yearly the fourteenth and fifteenth days of the month of Adar. As the days on which the Jews had rest from their enemies, as the month which turned from sorrow to joy for them, and from mourning to a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and joy of sending presents to one another and gifts to the poor. You get to the end of the story. You get to the salvation and the deliverance of the Jewish people. Remember, as you read through this, the whole nation faced extermination. A whole people group faced the termination of their existence. And because of God, because God had put Esther in a strategic place, a strategic position to make a difference for the kingdom, God had saved all of the people. What do you do when God brings salvation? What do you do when you recognize that God has been at work all the time? What do you do? You celebrate. You are glad. You have joy. You, you worship the God above. Now, some of it is spontaneous celebration. When you read through this story, you will see that there is a spontaneous celebration. Now, when we really like something, when we enjoy something or something moves us, We naturally respond with some type of joy or gladness or celebration, right? We naturally do that. It's not like you have to have a big cheerleader there uh, trying to motivate you to celebrate. You just kind of do it. Those of you who have had children, did anybody have to come to you dads and say, hey, you ought to be happy that you just had a baby born? No, not usually. You're in there. I mean you're in there like just celebrating giving out I went the other day. Okay I shouldn't mention personal things, but I'll just go ahead I went the other day to see a new baby that was born I went in and I saw this guy this dad It was his first child and he was I mean when I walked into the room He was smiling from ear to ear now that didn't surprise me most dads do right? But I noticed like he had the baby himself And he wouldn't give it up to anybody else in the room There were like 18 people (laughs) Grandparents wanted it Others wanted the baby I mean he was just like he had a hold on that child And he would not give up I mean he he was there And he was smiling And at the same I don't know how you hold a baby like that And you're still making uh, Facebook posts But he was making Facebook (laughs) posts And he was twitting and twitting and tweeting and all those kinds of things. And and he was telling all about the excitement that he had. I mean, it was just all over him. I got ready to leave. I was going to pray. And he said, oh, preacher, you forgot. You forgot. You got to have a cigar to take with you. I said, I don't know if I can smoke this with Temple Baptist Church, you know. Take a cigar with you. It doesn't matter. We're celebrating. We're celebrating the birth of this baby. I mean, you didn't have to like Try to cheer him on or motivate him. It was just his natural response that he had a child. This morning, I'm I'm so grateful to hear the response of God's people. Like when we baptize people, we baptized Brad a few moments ago. I heard some of you clapping. I think I even heard a few of you say "Amen." I scared the rest of you, but a few of you said "Amen." Because it should be a natural reaction. Our natural response that we want to celebrate that which is good. I mean, this week, I was watching the College World Series. And I've decided whichever team I pick, they're going to lose. Okay? (laughs) So just know, Lloyd, just know, LSU will probably have about five national championships. Because I'll never root for them and they'll always win. All right? It, I know it'll, it'll happen. You don't want me rooting for your team, but this week I was watching that and I was watching the different responses and you know, it was just natural. People were disappointed in plays. People were happy. People were up and down. I mean, I've seen that around here. We're in a university town. You go to sporting events. You see people just respond naturally. Now, sometimes it's not the most Beneficial to the kingdom, the way you respond at some of these events around here. But you respond naturally. You respond naturally. The people of God, the Jews, they'd just been saved. They knew they had. They responded in celebration. They celebrated what God had done. And not only did they respond naturally, spontaneously. Spontaneously. But they decided that this moment, this event needed to be marked in all of history. They wanted to be intentional about their celebration. They wanted to be purposeful. They set aside a planned, scheduled. It was an annual yearly celebration where the people would tell the story over and over of how God had worked to provide for his people. How God had taken care of his people how God had saved his people. That's what you see in these verses. Mordecai, the leadership of the Jews, they said, we need to send out a message to everybody because every year we need to celebrate what God did on this date, in this time. You know, we have some... Celebrations throughout the year. You think about it. uh, We call them holidays oftentimes. We have uh, things like Memorial Day, we have Thanksgiving, we have Christmas, we have so many. Obviously, this week, the holiday that is on our mind is the 4th of July. And we will have our celebration tomorrow night and Tuesday night. You've heard people talk about it. We stop to recognize the independence that we have as a nation. But we stop to recognize the freedom that we have as well. Now, I know there's a, unfortunately, and I say that with all sincerity, unfortunately, there is too much division, even within our churches today, over whether or not we should stop and celebrate the 4th of July. You know what? I am grateful that we can stop and say god thank you for providing the freedom that you have given us to gather like this to sing like this to share god's message like this god thank you for the freedom that you've given us Amen. now i don't believe that i don't believe that we blindly follow leaders or anything like that i'm not i've not advocated that in any way but what is wrong with saying God, we recognize you are the ultimate source of our blessing God for us as a nation as a people God, we thank you And I hope that's the tenure that we have tomorrow night as we come together as we have Tuesday night That God is the one that should be exalted No leader, no anybody else We are thankful now he used Let me say this I am thankful for the veterans, for example That he's used to secure the liberty I always say this and I'm always reminded of it If God had not given us freedom and God had not used some of these individuals to secure the freedom I wouldn't even have the opportunity to stand before you and preach in a free way this morning So I'm grateful for that We have moments where we stop and we say hey God, thank you. There are holidays. There are moments like that And what Mordecai says is we need a day We need a good day to celebrate the deliverance of God The freedom that he has given us as a people. And what do you do on that day? You remember. You think about what has occurred. You think about what God did. Okay? So for us, like, we stop. And and yes, it's great to have, like, fellowships. It's great to have, like, a lot of food. Look, I'm willing to celebrate all week with you with food. Okay? If you tell me where you're going to be, I'll try I've got about three, but just tell me I'll try and I may not make it, but I'll try But the fourth of july is more than just a backyard barbecue It's more Than just a fellowship. It's more than a firework show we should be reminding people of what We are celebrating what god has done in our hearts and lives and for the people The Jewish people, they were to be reminded. They were to remember that God brought them salvation. Unfortunately, a lot of times, our minds remember the most negative things or the tragic moments. You know what I'm talking about. You and I can remember exactly the spots we were in, the things that we were doing when certain tragedies occurred. I marveled when I was growing up because... I would hear my grandmother talk about hearing on the radio of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's death and how she responded, how she cried. My dad was just, I mean, he was so young, but he just will tell the story of my grandmother just breaking down and crying over the president's death. And then my mom, she used to talk about being at work in, in Jug Fork, Mississippi, you will go there, you won't want to stay. All right? Jug Fork, Mississippi. How she was working there in Jug Fork, Mississippi, and how she heard that President Kennedy had been assassinated. And what a struggle that was. And I've heard all these stories growing up, and then all of a sudden, as God has given me years, I began realizing some of that same phenomena in my life 9 11. The Twin Towers going down. Remembering being on the seminary campus and hearing those reports, and the things that occurred. Hurricane Katrina, for those of us who were down south in particular, of remembering the moment that Hurricane Katrina came through. Those were difficult days. And it's amazing how God programs your mind, but also how we take our mind and we think about some of the most negative things we remember where we were. What I want to challenge us today is remember the good things. Remember the things that God has done in your life, the work that He has done. Now, it's great that God gives us those moments, but we need to remember those moments in the years and the days. To come, we celebrate as a community, we celebrate as a community if even as we come, think about it this way, even as we come every Sunday morning, what do we do? We remember what Jesus Christ did for us. every Sunday morning, in a sense, is a celebration. It is a remembrance. We come on the first day of the week, not the Sabbath. We come on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. Why do we come on the Lord's Day? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And even in our coming on the first day of the week, we proclaim to the community, we proclaim to each other, we proclaim to everybody that will hear that Jesus is alive. Because we come to celebrate. And even in what we do in our services, what we sing, the messages that are brought through the voices of our choir or The notes that are played by the orchestra or the praise band or whatever else. All of those things should remind us of who Jesus is and what he did for us. Every week. There should be moments of celebration. Now, the scripture says here that they call for this annual celebration. The 13th day of Adar. Adar is the month that corresponds roughly to February, March for us. The 13th day was when the people of Israel, the Jewish people, were empowered legally to defend themselves against their enemies. So the 14th and the 15th days were days of reflection and celebration, remembrance and joy. And this was the word that was sent out to all. That you are to have this great feast, this great festival. You know, in the, in the scripture, you see a lot of this, especially Old Testament. You see a lot of like feasts to commemorate things or to be reminded. The Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, for example. It was to commemorate the exodus of God's people out of Egypt. The deliverance of God's people. And how they had gone through the wilderness with God's leadership. They were to celebrate that year in and year out. They were to reenact it by building these homemade shacks, if you will. These booths, these tents. They were to build them, whether on their roofs, and their courtyards, wherever. And they were to be reminded, as they lived in those, of God's deliverance. The power of remembrance... The power of feast, the power of celebration that you see in the Old Testament. So here, Mordecai says, we need one of those days where we stop. We need a season. We need the 14th and the 15th to be able to remember and to reenact what God has done and to celebrate together. If you look at some of the practices around that date as they would celebrate it, for years to come they would come in and they would read the story of Esther to all the people the story of Esther would once again be told in the hearing of the people so that they would be reminded so that they would know why they were there and why they were celebrating now at the name of at the mention of every name of Haman every time he was mentioned what would they do the congregation would respond May his name be blotted out. May his name be blotted out. Because Haman is this enemy of the Jews, this Hitler-like Old Testament figure. He was to be demonstrated in total defeat. They would take stones. Think of this. They would write Haman's name upon the stones and they would beat them on the ground. Or they would beat them with each other. Some people... I have read that they would write the name Haman on their shoes or their sandals and they would stomp every time his name was mentioned to demonstrate that they had had victory over him. Some of them would dress up in costumes, but they would do everything they could to remember that God had delivered them. The name of the celebration, later on you'll see it, Mentioned in verse 26, the name of the celebration, Purim or Purim, depending on your, if you're from Mississippi or Arkansas, all right? (laughs) Purim or Purim. And where did that name come from? Why did they call it the Purim feast or the Purim feast? Why did they call it that? Because if you were to go back in the story of Esther, You would find Haman casting lots to see which day would be the best day that the Jews would be destroyed. And those lots were called, or that one lot was called poor or pure. That's what it was called. In the Hebrew, some of you are like, I didn't come for a Hebrew lesson today. What are you But the Hebrew, the IM at the end is kind of like an S or ES in our English language. In other words, you want to make a noun plural, what do you do? You add an S or an ES. So in the Hebrew, oftentimes you'll add an IM to make it plural, like a seraph or a cherub, seraphim, cherubim, right? You sing about them. You may not know what they are, but you've sung about them, right? And you add the IM to make it plural. So you take the poor, the pure, which is a lot, one single lot, that was cast to decide the fate of the Jews, which day that they would be destroyed. And you add the I-M, this idea of lots, Purim, the festival, and thus you get the name. Why would they do that? I love what one commentator said. It was almost like they were saying, In your face, Haman. You know that lot that you used to try to destroy us? The lot that you tried to pick a day where you would kill us all? It was that lot that actually turned out to be our day of victory. God had reversed your evil and he had had brought victory. He had brought his glory to bear. It was the day of Purim that they would celebrate They would reenact they would tell the story I love it. I mean, I love it. I could get so excited about this because What god had done Is he had taken their day of death And transformed it into their day of life He had taken their day of defeat and he had transformed it into a day of victory for them, right? It was marked on the calendar. Don't you miss it? The 13th of Adar. That's the day when the Jews would be destroyed. But God intervened. And when God intervenes in our lives, He takes a date that was meant to be our destruction and He brings it into a date which is meant to be our victory. And on the 13th of Adar... The Jewish people were not destroyed, but they defended themselves. And the scripture teaches us that they rose up against their enemies in the power of God and defeated them. I love the way God can take a day and transform it in such a way. I love the way God can take that which was meant for our destruction and use it for our good and our victory. How many of us have experienced that through the years? How many of us have experienced... God taking the 13th of Adar in our lives and making it a day that we could celebrate his victory and his life. Our God is in the business of doing those kinds of things. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, one of my favorite passages, especially as it relates to war or battle, speaks about King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was about to go up against a against a great enemy. The scripture says that the forces of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir had all come against him. And the people knew that they had no chance against the numbers of the enemy. So what did Jehoshaphat do? He went to God and prayed. He asked God to show grace and to show favor. And they got ready and they began to march toward battle. And the scripture says that Jehoshaphat commanded the people to worship, to sing. And they began singing as they were marching into battle. Again, what a great military strategy, right? And as they were going into battle, The scripture says that God began to turn enemy against enemy, those from Ammon against those from Moab and Mount Seir. And before you know it, because they had turned against each other, the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah in particular, had victory. They won the battle. And you know what they named the valley? They named the valley, the Valley of Barakah, which means the Valley of Blessing. I love that story because their Valley of Defeat was turned into the Valley of Blessing. I love it because it was there that they were supposed to be killed and destroyed and the army army Annihilated but it was there that they saw victory and what god does in our lives is he takes a valley of defeat And he brings it into a valley of blessing for us And that's why we should celebrate That's why we should give god the glory again, I say to you How has God taken your valley of defeat and brought it into a valley of blessing? This week, one of my friends here in the church celebrated his his one-year anniversary since he went through a stem cell bone marrow transplant. I got a message that this had occurred. I sent him a little note and said, Thanks be to God, right? That we can celebrate one year because when you went went into that surgery, went into that transplant, there were so many questions, so many things. And yet here we are one year that we can celebrate what God has done. In a sense, he has taken that and he has brought blessing out of it. And how many of you have experienced those moments? If you've experienced those moments, celebrate those moments. And Don't just be spontaneous. That's great. But be intentional because what happens is a year or two afterwards you begin to kind of like go into other things and all of that you need to take moments where you say I'm going to intentionally praise God for what he did a year ago for what he did two years ago. I want to remember because as I remember what God did for me, then I am encouraged that God can do it again today. We need to take time to celebrate and to recognize that God can take that which was meant to be evil and use it for good in our lives that God can take that date which was meant to be our destruction and bring to us victory Vince Havner the old Southern Baptist evangelist preacher he writes a story about a little town in Alabama Of course, like many other towns back then, they were so dependent upon the cotton industry. But as they had prepared their crop and they had gotten ready for the harvest, there was one little enemy that they faced. One little enemy that became a great enemy. It was a little boll weevil. The boll weevil began to destroy the crop of this little town. The economy was crushed. But as they moved toward the next harvest season, the next planting season, that is, they began to think about things. They said, well, what will a boll weevil not eat? Because farmers can be genius sometimes. What will a boll weevil not eat? Peanuts. You know what? I bet they won't eat Peanuts so they started planting peanuts and another farmer he began to plant another crop and another and before you know it the economy was restored not just restored it actually was better so you know what this little town oh the little town is called Enterprise Alabama you know what they did some of you know some of you probably been there they put up a monument to the boll weevil I think it's still there And Think of this The boll weevil which basically came against them to destroy them Their crop, their economy, everything What had happened is they had had to diversify their crop They had to think through things What God had done is actually used the boll weevil to help them in their economy So they put up a monument To the boll weevil I say again, some of us have had some boll weevils in our lives, right? We got them named. But God has the power to take the boll weevil and to use it for something good, something great. That's the reason we celebrate. We celebrate that power. We celebrate that sovereignty every time we come here. The Lord's Supper itself. When we come to take the Lord's Supper, we are reenacting. We're reminding ourselves. We even do it. Jesus said, Do it in remembrance of me, right? So the juice that we drink, the bread that we eat, reminds us of the sacrifice that was made for us. It's a celebration. Because we know what God has done As I said last week it's God took the cross Which was meant to be this horrific Terrible symbol of pain And he has allowed it Now to be a symbol of forgiveness And life Through the Lord's Supper We celebrate We celebrate what God has done Those of us in this place who have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, those of us who have been saved, above every other people, we have reason to celebrate. Because we know what it's like to experience forgiveness of our sins. We know what it's like to have the burden of sin in our life and God lift it. We know what it's like for God to save us from sin but also to save us for our service. We know what it's like for him to give us purpose and ministry and life and security and assurance. We know what it's like. Because see, what God has done for us is he has taken a date of death and given us a date of life. He is taking a valley of defeat as we lived in our sin and he gave us a valley of blessing. He has taken that which is coming against, has come against us and he has used it. For us to see ultimate salvation in him. Hey, can you imagine what it's going to be like one day? Hey, let, let, let's think about that day in which we stand before God. We stand before God and simply speaking, okay, not getting into all, just simply speaking. According to what I read in the scripture, he's going to open a book of works and he's going to look through that book. And I think all of us in this place will be listed in that book of works. And there, there will be everything that we've done in that, in that place. But it will not be good enough. Because works never save us. It will never be good enough. Judgment Day. A day when our sin should come to bear and we should be punished for what we did. The defeat should be ultimately realized on Judgment Day. But get this, God's going to open that book and He's going to work, He's going to read through that list of works and then He's going to open another book and He's going to say, you know, this book of life, you know what? Your name is right there. And when I stand there knowing that my name is in the book of life I'm also going to stand there knowing That I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ Not my own righteousness But the righteousness of Jesus Christ And because I stand in that I know I have life And I have it for all eternity And he is going to welcome me into his kingdom And paradise once and for all Because my God took a day That was supposed to be a day of defeat And he brought it to a day of victory in my life And I pray that you know it. I pray you know it because he's the only one that has that kind of power. He's the only one that could have orchestrated the events of Esther and brought salvation to the people. And our God is still the only one that has the power to bring salvation to our lives and hearts. I say to you today, if you are dealing with, with your sin, and you're trying to deal with it on your own and work your way there, you are going to see defeat every time. Submit to him, surrender to him, and you will see the victory of eternal life. He wants to give to you the gift of eternal life. If you would have faith and trust in him. Some of you who are here today, You're struggling through some other things, relationally, emotionally, physically. Just know, God can take that valley of sorrow and bring you into the valley of blessing. Those of us who are here and we've experienced it, how we should get on our knees, how we should bow before him during this time of commitment and celebrate What he alone has done. Let's take time. To celebrate. Today. Let's pray. Father. We come to you. And God we recognize. We do not deserve. Your favor. Your grace. By its very definition, we don't deserve it. But God, you have lavished it upon us. God, today we celebrate the freedom that you've given us to sit in a sanctuary like this, sing, hear your gospel preached. God, we thank you for that. But God, for those of us who are believers, who have trusted in you, oh God, how today? We thank you for forgiveness and life and victory. We thank you that one day when we stand before you, we do not stand in our own tattered rags, but we stand finely clothed in your son's righteousness. God, I pray that you would help us celebrate that every day. God, some of us in this place, we've been blessed. You've, you've brought healing to our lives. You have helped us through financial, emotional, relational issues. Oh, my, my Lord, I pray that we would intentionally celebrate those things and what you've done. May God help us as believers celebrate the Lord today in this place for that one which is lost. That doesn't have the confidence, doesn't have the assurance of standing before you one day. God, I pray you'd save that person. Help them surrender to you. We pray it in Jesus' name.